From the Mitchell Center to Coleman Coliseum, the Bartow and Trojan Arenas. From Veterans Memorial Stadium to Legion Field to Hancock-Whitney Stadium. With a combined 75 years of experience in the sports radio world, these guys have spent their professional lives roaming the stadiums and arenas that host your favorite teams. And now, they invite you to join them inside the press box. Get ready for Chris Stewart. Throws it out. Norris left alone. Corner three, five. Smoking hot. J.D. Byers. Three-step drop. Steps up. Looks. Swatted down. Set. Down he goes. Mike Grace. Curveball right back up the middle. They'll wave out and around third base. Slides into the dogs and won it. And the broadcasters, journalists, coaches, and game changers making today's news. <laughs> They're all here. Inside. The Press Box. Welcome to the Press Box Podcast. For my partners, Chris Stewart and J.D. Byers, I'm Mike Grace. What you're about to hear is just a slice of our Press Box radio show. Heard on great stations across Alabama and online 24-7 at PressBoxRadio.com. The show is our way of sharing with you the access we enjoy to a group of friends and colleagues who, like us, have the honor of working with and around the teams and the sports we all love. Today's guest, college basketball bracket expert Jerry Palm of CBSSports.com. Now, he does this for a living. That's right, brackets for a living. But it all started as a hobby for Jerry Palm, who joined us inside the Press Box podcast. It goes back to 94 uh, when the... NCAA made a change to the RPI and it was, I saw it published, I think in sporting news. And I uh, had a computer, uh, a new database program. The internet was a new thing. And I wanted to I sort of self-teaching uh, some of those uh, tools. And so I used the RPI to figure it out. And uh, so I, I put together the numbers, uh, databases, the schedules, and started sharing what I learned, thinking nobody would care. And people started caring. And uh, it it really took off when somebody who covered Penn State found what I was doing in a rare year that they were good at basketball. And uh, um, he uh, he liked me. He told uh, my passed my name around. I started hearing from a lot more media. Then football starts the BCS, which was a pretty easy adaptation uh, of what I was doing for basketball. So now I'm working on two sports and um, I got downsized from my regular job in 2002 and turned my hobby into my regular job. Jerry, it's got to be crazy to you to think that, and this happens all the time, I'm sure, people uh, complain because you you may not have their team uh, is seated as high or in the field as they would like, but yet at the same time they're dying to know what you think. They're going to tell you on the one uh-huh. hand you don't know what you're talking about, and yet they're dying to know what the opinion is on the other. Yeah, it's uh, well, that's the nature of the gig. I mean, anytime you're paid to have a sure, thing, you know, you better have a thick skin, right? So that's, a, that's all right. Yeah, that that's kind of the way it, it works out. Tell walk us through how you begin the preparation, though. Where, where's the starting point? When is the starting point as you go into each year? Uh, the, well, I have to do a preseason bracket, obviously, there's no data to support that, so that's a lot more, you know, dart throwing. Uh, than sure. anything that happens afterwards. But as you get uh, into the season, 
I mean, the preparation starts before the season because I, that database of schedules that I talked about building in 1994, I still have a database of schedules. So now it's a lot easier to obtain that information because in 94, there was no, there was barely a web, you know, so there were right. no school websites where you could get schedules and or get anything you could download. So I had actually had to go to the library to get newspapers and, and get agate, you know, scores off the agate type pages in the sports sections. But it was, um, you know, now, of course, there's there's information is a little more readily available and creating that database of schedules each year is, is easier. This year was difficult because the game, the schedules kept changing. We had games right. getting canceled, games getting added at the last minute, kind of stuff you don't normally see in a regular season. But um, it starts with that and just keeping track of the of the results so that I can do some uh, calculations. Um, obviously, now with the net and the secret for, the formula being secret again, I'm more reliant on the NCAA to provide that information uh, before I could calculate the RPI myself. But uh, in any event, um, once I get some data handy, then I've got processes that I tools that I use and processes that I go through to to create a bracket and hopefully one that doesn't have uh, mistakes in it. So when when you build this and you have you've created everything that you're telling it to do, but does it create forgive my ignorance in, in maybe how I'm asking this even, but does it create your field for you? No. Or do no. You, you pick it's, it based on it, what yeah. you see. Okay. Yeah. I got it, you. It's not algorithmic. You know, I don't, I don't write a program and have it spit out 68 teams. That would never work. Um, gotcha. There's, there's just so, no way to do I, that sure. uh, reliably. Right. The, uh, and the process that the NCAA goes through is a subjective one. It's guided by this data and, you know, largely, um, you know, the data has a lot to do with what's going to happen, but the process is still subjective. So, and, and it's subjective in the sense that each member of the committee might have different opinions of the teams uh, based on the data. And some members of the committee might have differing opinions on the value of different pieces of the data, like strength of schedule or how you play on the road or whatever. So there's still going to be a subjective part of it. And a lot of what I do is behavior analysis. So I look at the kind of stuff that the committee has rewarded in the past and try to apply that to what data we have now. Talking Jerry Palm with us, one of the experts when it comes to forecasting what the NCAA tournament field will look like. And now also with college football, as he didn't have enough to do already, he's, he's decided <laughs> to make it year-round basically. When the, when the tournament is over with, do you get an opportunity to visit with committee members and discuss with them and go, hey, you know, what was your, what was your line of thinking and, and train of thought so that it helps you for the next year in terms of formulating your opinion and how you put it all in place? Not really. Uh, they're not going to tell me anything more than they would tell any other member of the media. I'm, I'm right. not really getting inside information um and i don't blame them for that they they really need sure, to protect their I process understand. so no i don't uh i don't really other than i might get a little bit of access to them directly uh during not not after the season but leading up to selection sunday because i'm, I'm with cbs they're in our studios obviously none right. of that happened this year but in a normal year you know we might get a chance to interview the committee chairman um, I might get a chance to, to bend their ear a little bit. I'm not going to get 
anything that really, um, you know, gives anything away. That's just not going to happen. But yeah. I, uh, so, I sometimes get a um, little bit of hints of what might be important, but it's, it's not really, yeah. there's nothing overt. I have to, I have to decode sure. whatever it is I get and I'm not getting that much. And, and that was really my, the direction I was going. They may not tell you who they're thinking about, but I wondered how much they're willing to share about how they were thinking yeah, I, uh, I, I, I get very little of that together. as well. It's it's really, yeah. um, no, they, they keep it pretty close to the vest, as they should. Yeah, absolutely. So how close were you to having oh, I everything two teams, nailed down? Which for me, wow. I consider to be a bad year. Missing two yeah, teams is a bad I got year. One I was not going to get, I wasn't going to get Drake. And then the other one was Utah State, and I probably should have got Utah State. When you looked at the field, as a whole, there are those that will will go with the mindset of okay, Kentucky's Kentucky never sniffed at it. Uh, Duke's not in for various reasons. Uh, also, never really sniffed Indiana. at it. Yeah, exactly. Indiana, uh, obviously not. When when the traditional powers are not traditional powers. Does it diminish the field in your mind or does it make it more exciting because there's new opportunities for other teams and other schools to maybe rise into those roles? Yeah, definitely the latter, I would say. I don't miss the traditional powers. I'm a Purdue guy. I'm never going to miss Indiana. Uh, and they've now missed five <laughs> well straight said. tournaments. So, yeah, yeah you got to wonder if they're still really a power. They, they've missed half the tournaments since their last Final Four appearance in 2002. They would have made the tournament last year right. if we'd have had one. Um, but they would right. have been something like a 10 seed. They, they were going to be at the bottom of the bracket anyways. Uh, but Duke, Kentucky, I, you know, a lot of people think that it, it diminishes the tournament because the big names aren't there and, you know, they're big TV ratings. But, you know, if they're no good and you just throw them in the bracket, and they lose one game. How much, how are they helping your TV ratings? They're not. Yeah. So, you know, it's, um, it, it's, it's one of the big misnomers of the, or miss, I guess, of the tournament selection process is that the name on your front of your jersey matters, and it pretty clearly doesn't. But I don't think it matters to the tournament regardless. I think the the traditional powers probably need to, even though they are traditional powers, need the NCAA more than the NCAA needs them. Well, Jerry, so is, once the tournament, go ahead. I'm sorry, once the tournament is put together, the field is put together. Do you fool with a bracket, Jerry? I pick afterwards. I pick, I pick the games. Yeah, I fill out a bracket like everybody else. In fact, I'm required okay. to uh, for, I figured you uh, were, for work. Would be. Um, yeah, I, I get I get about 15 minutes to fill one out uh, because they usually want it within a couple hours after the selection show to get up on the on the website. And I've got stuff I've got to do between selections and and the time I get around to the bracket. But anyways, it's I don't get it doesn't really matter much that I don't have too much time because I mean I cover college basketball, so it's not like I have to do a ton of research. But still. Um, I, sure. I've, I've, I have one up on our website within two hours of selections usually, or maybe three. And, uh, and then I'll probably fill out a couple more, uh, just, to, to right. enter in a friend's pool or something like that. So, so tell me again, my, my apologies with traveling and everything like that from my, my own coverage of Alabama. What's your, what's your belief in Alabama and what you, you think their ceiling will be? for this turn? Well, I picked them to the final four, um, probably because I thought it was January and not April, but, uh, no, they've had a terrific season. 
Alabama has are one of the top defensive teams. <laughs> They're a great three-point shooting team. Uh, that can be dangerous, uh, relying much on the three-point shot. Uh, but when you play defense as well as they do, uh, you can keep in games when your shots aren't falling. So um, I actually picked Alabama to the Final Four uh, this year. Um, but I, I haven't, I'm not picking them past Gonzaga because I'm not picking anybody past Gonzaga. Uh, that's a very understandable. And last thing for me, Mike, man, something else. And, and I do want to apologize for some of my questions being so elementary. Uh, but with, with my travel situation, it. not able to, to have a lot of the info in front of me that I normally would. But just want to get thoughts from you on the SEC as a whole and, and where, uh, you know, will Alabama have company in terms of uh, a Sweet 16 run from the league itself? Oh, they could. Um, you know, I, I don't – the problem is that they didn't really get very good seeds uh, except for Arkansas. I mean, I think Arkansas will make the, the Sweet 16, but after that, you know, it'll, it's going to take an upset or two uh, for an SEC team to, to get that far. I mean, Missouri draw is terrible because – and they were underseeded, uh, but they got Gonzaga in game two, so, you know, there's nothing there happening there. Uh, yeah. Florida, you know, is a seven ten. They're probably not going too far. Uh, Tennessee's a five. You know, they're they're limited as to how far they're going to get. So, you know, really, Alabama and Arkansas are the only ones that got the seeds and the draws to to make kind of a, a deeper run, at least a second weekend run in this tournament. Uh, you know, Tennessee, you know, as a five, it wouldn't be a big surprise for a five to make the Sweet Sixteen. But their four is Oklahoma State, one of the hottest teams in the country, and a team that could justifiably be a two seed or certainly a three, but Tennessee gets them as a four. And and you got the Zags winning it, uh, winning it all. As we look at uh, the bracket, I was intrigued only three times uh, since 2004 has the number one overall seed gone on to win the tournament. But you believe this is the year for the Zags and you're not the only one. That's for sure. No, it's, it's Mark Few's best team. They've had a, a dominant season. They're no shoe in by any stretch of the imagination to win this thing. It's going to be difficult. Um, I think for them, starting with probably the elite eight, uh, when they might face an Iowa team they played earlier this season, uh, that's pretty good. But uh, yeah, I, I do like Indaga's chances this year. Uh, th- there really isn't a whole lot of weakness to their game. They've got three uh, guys on the, among the first, you know, the top 15 players in the country. Uh, and in terms of the All-America teams put out by the USBWA, the Basketball Writers Association this week, that's that's a remarkable team. Uh, and they, can, they certainly have everything it takes to win the whole thing. So he's got the Zags of Gonzaga heading into this 2021 NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament. March Madness Talk with Jerry Palm of CBS Sports here on the Press Box Podcast. Catch our daily show weekdays on great stations around the state of Alabama and online 24-7 at PressBoxRadio.com. You can find us on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all at PressBoxRadio1. That's PressBox Radio and the number one. And, of course, we always would love to hear from you. Email us at pressboxradio one at gmail.com. Again, PressBoxRadio, the number one, at gmail.com. For Chris Stewart, for J.D. Byers, I'm Mike Gray saying thanks for joining us here on the PressBox Podcast.